أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد الحمد لله we reach this mubarak uh, third night of Ramadan so already more than a tenth of it is gone and like that one by one all the days are going to pass so whoever wants to do something let them do it right now and not think that they have uh, a tomorrow to live to or even if they do that Ramadan is going to be there forever for them to do whoever needs to take whatever from it let them take it right now and uh, uh, not not delay so we continue reading from the Kashul Mahjub of the Sheikh uh, uh, Ali bin Uthman Hujwari it's a really interesting book it's a great book he uh, he's very human he's not at all in any way shape or form like the kind of the uh, studio CD that you cannot touch him you cannot you know like get near him and there's like seven Khuddam uh, that are there to like bar you from like getting to him in any way shape or form and you never see anything imperfect about them to the point that you have this i'tiqad about them that perhaps they're even more ma'asum than the prophets are والسلام, which people have about their mashaykh uh, um, which is is, is is a type of excessiveness uh, if you think your shaykh is like the Qutb al-Aqtab like the Sultan al-Awliya or whatever even then he's not going to be ma'asum so this idea, this kind of popular imagination people have about the awliya being like above uh, blame and above reproach. Um, in adab, yes, you should treat them, you should treat them well, and there's benefit in it for you. But this idea that somehow they're divinely protected from error, this is this is too much. At any rate, so he, first of all, he uh, doesn't have a crew of murids with him because he's in Lahore from before the time Lahore uh, accepts Islam, and. Uh, um, Lahore is an interesting city, actually. The presence of the Mashaykh was there for centuries from before the, the city uh, has a, a sizable Muslim population. I don't even know if it actually has a, a, a Muslim majority until the time of partition. Because if you talk to old people, they say the Anarkali Bazaar, which is the old like Mughal Bazaar of, of Lahore, um, there was only four or five Muslim shopkeepers. All the rest of them were Hindus and Sikhs uh, up until partition. Uh, but uh, at any rate, he's very interesting. One of the things that's interesting about his book is throughout it, he actually apologized for, for it in the beginning. He says that uh, I'll put my name all throughout the book because I wrote another book and someone borrowed it from me and then they claimed that they wrote it and became famous for having written it and I'm still like, he's basically still salty about that. So he'll write from time to time in his book and he'll be like, for this reason, I, Ali bin Uthman Hajwari, uh, 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 like, assert this or that. And he says, it's not because I'm trying to pump myself up. It's just because I'm afraid someone's going to, like, steal this book and, like, pretend they wrote it instead of me, which is kind of hurts hurt his feelings a bit, you know? So there's a lot of, like, weird, like, things like that where he shows his humanity and his unguardedness. But at the same time, you can see the genius of, like, his, his thought, how he understands things and explains things in a way that... Uh, uh, Another person wouldn't be able to, but then he also explains it effortlessly so that it makes sense to a person. So we continue, he's explaining the, the tariqah of uh, 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 al-muhasibi. And uh, he's uh, explaining the doctrine of rida, of being pleased with Allah Ta'ala's judgment. And uh, he's going to then talk about, he said that the, the, one of the peculiarities about al-muhasibi is first of all that he makes rida, being pleased with the divine uh, uh, decree, uh, kind of the driver of suluk uh, toward Allah Ta'ala. And then on top of that, he has this doctrine about it being a, a state, a hal that a person goes through rather than a maqam, rather than a station that a person has permanently. And then he'll explain all of that. 
so uh, he continues, uh, Abu al-Abbas ibn Ata says, Satisfaction, rida is dissed at the hardship. Consider the eternal choice of God on behalf of his creature, i.e. whatever befalls him, he should recognize it as the eternal will of God and his past decree and should not be distressed, but should accept it cheerfully. Again, this is a, this is a aqidah and tasawwuf together, which is what the idea that Allah Ta'ala is above time and space. He's transcended above time and space. The qadr that Allah Ta'ala chose for us. Why is it that we're here and we're not somewhere else? Why is it that we're, you know, white or brown or black and we're not, you know, purple or green? Why is it that someone else has money and we don't or we have money and someone else doesn't? All of these things, these why questions that people have, they're all, when you re realize that they're in the ilm of Allah Ta'ala before the creation of the heavens and the earth, not chronologically before because that doesn't exist. Allah Ta'ala, time and space are a creation of His. He's not trapped inside of them. So they're before... They, they're before the creation of the heavens and the earth in rational priority, not chronological priority. Meaning Allah Ta'ala created the heavens and the earth. All of it was in his knowledge all at once. Today, tomorrow, yesterday, they're all the same in front of Allah Ta'ala, even though we're stuck in them with some sort of sequentiality that goes like frame by frame. So this is when you think about it that way, when you understand your aqidah properly, Instead of having this kind of Neoplatonist, like a you know, pagan aqidah that the universe has been around forever and like that God is, you know, somehow like somewhere in the sky and, he has, you know, and this and that, this type of stuff. No, we push that away. These are the ideas or the conceptions of divinity of paganism. They don't fit with the uh, idea of Allah Ta'ala in the Quran. Uh, when you understand the aqidah properly, you will know that, uh, uh, you will know that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, because His transcendence above time, that His choice is something that's not... It didn't just happen like through circumstance. It's something a lot more solid than a person really realizes. Uh, and it's, you know, it's from Allah Ta'ala's sifat, his ilm, his knowledge, his qudra, his omnipotence, and his irada, his desire. Right? Ilm is that he knows it's going to happen. Qudra is that he's the one who has the ability and is making it happen. And irada is the fact that it's happening and he, it's not, it's not like tabaya, you know, like fire burns without having really much choice in the matter. Like cold freezes things without having much choice in the matter. Why? Because that's just the way they are. Rather, no, this is Allah Ta'ala's fa'il mukhtar. He's, he's doing what he's doing and he's doing because he wants to do it. Uh, and that all of these things are together. When a person ponders over that, they think, okay, fine, maybe this was meant to be this way for some other good. And the Rabb Tabarak Ta'ala chose it for me and he's the only one that we're ever going to have. So we should be pleased with it uh, uh, one way or the other. And it takes to people to think certain things that normal people don't, don't usually think. But this is the ma'rifah of the Ahlullah, uh, uh, which is the sign of people being from the khawas of Allah Ta'ala rather than being uh, from the <laughs> awam, not in the sense that like we have a different sharia than other people do, but like al-awam kal-an'am, like being a human being rather than just being like an anthrop anthropomorphic cattle uh, walking around. So he says uh, that when a person thinks of all these things, that they should uh, accept it cheerfully. Harith al-Muhasibi, the author of the doctrine, says, uh, Rida is the, quies, is, this, is, the, is, is the quiescence of the heart. Rida is the sukun of the heart uh, under the events which flow from the divine decrees. This is a sound doctrine because the quiescence and tranquility of the heart are not qualities acquired by man but are divine gifts. And as an argument for the view that uh, satisfaction is a, 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 a hal and not a maqam, they cite the story of Utbah uh, al-Ghulam who once uh, at night did not sleep but kept saying uh, to Allah Ta'ala, if you chastise me, I love you, and if you have mercy on me, I love you. 
i.e. the pain of your chastisement uh, and the pleasure of your bounty uh, affect the body alone, whereas the agitation of love resides in the heart, which is not injured thereby. You know the choices from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like a person is like happy that Fir'aun got drowned. In that sense, even Fir'aun should be happy that he got drowned. But if he knew that, then he wouldn't be Fir'aun, right? That's what they mean by this. This corroborates the view of Muhasibi. Satisfaction uh, is the result of love inasmuch as the lover is satisfied by that which is done, with the, done by the beloved. Abu Uthman al-Hiri says, During the last 40 years, God has never put me in any state that I disliked or transferred me to another state that I resented. This indicates continual satisfaction of perfect love. The story of the dervish who fell into the Tigris River is well known. Seeing that uh, he could not swim, uh, a man on the bank cried out to him, Shall I uh, tell someone to bring you ashore? The dervish said, No. Then should you wish to be drowned? He said, No. What then do you wish? The dervish replied, uh, That which God wishes, what do I have to do with wishing? This is obviously like I was mentioned yesterday, right? These are like uh, weird people. The, their love of Allah Ta'ala made them kind of ghuraba. By all means, when you're drowning in the Tigris River, go ahead and ask for help. But somebody is thinking they're preoccupied with something different. Right? Sharia actually commands you, you, should, you have to save yourself. right? But he was thinking about something else that distracted him from that. Uh, and so uh, the point is not necessarily to emulate the, the, the conduct of such people, which there's a nice story about that at the end of this chapter. But uh, it's to think about those things and to understand them. That imagine if he had drowned, there's khair in it. If he was saved, there's khair in it as well. Uh, and so the Sharia obliges to go through the motions with certain things. But at the end of the day, what ends up happening is what ends up happening. We're just obliged to, uh, you know, to try uh, to to put in uh, to put into action the commandments of the Lord, uh, which is what a slave does. And then afterward, what happens? That's Allah Ta'ala's choice. So what the master does. So a person should not be excessively like frustrated. Like, why isn't this working? Like, I've been praying for forty years or whatever. How come I haven't become king yet or whatever? That's not your job. Your job is to pray 40 years. That's itself a, a success, right? Uh, it's not to resent and ask why this, why that. Just am I doing a good job as a slave or not? That's the preoccupation people should have. Uh, the sheikhs of Tasawwuf have uttered many sayings on satisfaction which differ in phraseology but agree in two principles, the two principles that have been mentioned. And then finally he ends us out with a, a, a short discussion about the distinction between hal and maqam, between uh, state uh, and station. You must know that both of these terms are common uh, in use amongst the, uh, amongst the Sufis and it is necessary that the uh, student be acquainted with them. I must discuss this matter here although it does not belong in the present chapter. Maqam or station denotes anyone standing uh, in the uh, path to Allah Ta'ala, tariq to Allah Ta'ala. His fulfillment of the obligations appertaining to that station and his keeping it until he comprehends its perfection so far as lies in man's power. It is not permissible that he should uh, quit his station without fulfilling the obligations thereof. Thus, the first station is repentance, right? So I wasn't making it up day before yesterday, right? Uh, he says, thus, the first station is repentance, toba, uh, And then comes conversion, inaba. Then renunciation, zuhud. And then trust in Allah, uh, tawakkul, and so on. It is not permissible that anyone uh, should pretend to conversion without repentance or to renunciation without conversion, or to trust in Allah without renunciation. Obviously, this indicates that there's an entire tariq that's like, systematized and that is uh, understood. 
uh, by people that we don't talk about and we kind of pretend will uh, go away if we ignore it for long enough or whatever. But uh, there is an entire tariq and there's an entire system that people should read about and think about. But it's not enough to read about it. You actually have to try to put it in practice as well. He says, Hal, on the other hand, uh, state, on the other hand, is something that descends from God onto a man's heart without his being able to repel it when it comes or to attract it when it goes by his own effort. Accordingly, while the term station or uh, maqam denotes the way of the seeker and his progress in the field of exertion and his rank before God in proportion to his merit, the term state or hal denotes the favor and grace which Allah bestows upon the heart of his servant, which are not connected in any way with the mujahada on the part of the latter, with the mortification. He, he, he describe, you know, Nicholson's a good translator. Like he's like the best. These are the type of Orientalists. We don't have these anymore. If you go like take Islamic studies, Nalq or whatever, they're all C-team people. And they don't put in the time and effort to learn English properly or to learn Persian properly, to learn Arabic properly, Turkish, anything properly. Everything they do is just time pass. Why is that? Abdul Hakim Winters once, uh, uh, I asked him this question. And because when the two years I taught at the Rihla, I would try avoiding the head table because it's very stuffy. I would try to sit with the students in the back and like pretend nobody knows me so I can sit back and relax. And you go, and so they'll say, oh, no, no, go sit with the sheikhs. And so Sheikh Hamza is there and he's talking about God knows what. And, you know, Sheikh Abdul Hakim is talking about God knows what. And Imam Zaid is there and there's like just like a bunch of dignitaries and like diplomats and government officials or whatever, so I just kind of try to stay quiet the whole time. I asked him this question. He says, I think the reason that the old school uh, um, Orientalists were good, whereas the new ones are not like, good at what they did, is because they had colonization as some sort of like divine mission. They're like, look, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ and we have to give it to the like savage barbarians for their salvation. So they studied the deen with religious fervor which is the only way a person will ever even learn Arabic, much less any of the other uh, sciences of deen. So his translation of mujahada as self-mortification, what does it mean? It means like literally to kill yourself for Allah Ta'ala's sake and struggle. You're fighting against yourself, right? You're fighting against the enemy. How do you win the battle? By killing your enemy, right? If your enemy is yourself, that's kind of rough. Uh, so he, at any rate, he's talking about the hal. The hal is not attained through mujahada. He says the maqam is, uh, maqamat that, that were aforementioned maybe attained through uh, uh, mujahada, but he says these are not connected in any way with mortification, with mujahada on the ladders, the part of the ladder. Hal, uh, sorry, maqam belongs to the category of acts and uh, 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 hal belongs to the category of gifts. One is, uh, one is uh, uh, kasbi and the other is wahbi, right? The maqam is kasbi and the hal is wahbi. Hence, the man that has a, a, a maqam stands by his own mujahada, whereas the man who has a hal is dead to the self and stands by a hal which Allah creates in him. Here the shaykhs are at variance. Some hold that hal may be uh, permanent, while others reject this view. Harith al-Muhasibi maintains that hal may be permanent. He argued that love and longing uh, uh, and contraction, qabd, and expansion, bust, are all ahwal, they're all states. If they cannot be permanent, then the lover should not be a lover until a man's state becomes his attribute, uh, his sifa, and the name uh, of the state is not properly applied to him. It is for this reason that he holds satisfaction to be one of the ahwal, one of the states. And the same view is indicated by the saying of Abu Uthman al-Hiri, who says, During the last 40 years, God has never put me in a state that I dislike. Other sheikhs deny that a state can be permanent. Junaid rahimullah ta'ala, Imam Junaid Baghdadi is Sayyid al-Ta'ifa, He's kind of like, he's kind of like the complementary 
juxtaposed and diacritically opposed sheikh to muhasibi and uh, uh, imam ahmed's tariq is more uh, akin to uh, that of imam junaid rahimahullah ta'ala that the mashaykh mashaykh the mujtahidun they're also mashaykh of the tariqah the reason their names don't appear on the uh, shajara is because of ulul otherwise too many names go there's a shorter connections between people so as to save the the isnad is for the barakah that that it connects to the Prophet ﷺ for the sake of omitting names so that the silsila becomes shorter, they're not there. But Imam Ahmad is very clear actually, Junaid is a, a, an athari even in his fiqh to the point where he was, had the licensure of a qadi, uh, that he's, he's, he's connected with the, the, with the uh, Imam Ahmad ta'ala. So Junaid said, states are like flashes of lightning. Their permanence is merely a suggestion to the nafs. Uh, some have said to the same effect that states, ahwal, are uh, like their name. They vanish almost as soon as they uh, descend on the heart. Whatever is permanent becomes an attribute, and attributes subsist in an object, uh, which must be more perfect than the attributes themselves. Right? This is talking, this is a mantiqi, uh, not discussion about like a philosophy discussion about the, the johar and arv, right? The, you guys read that, right? You, you guys read it, right? That the the the, the ard itself has to have a johar to subsist in. If the if the johar itself is impermanent, then it's not a johar at all, and so it cannot take attributes. Um, all this stuff has applications in the study of kalam, by the way. He says, uh, and this reduces the doctrine of states uh, that are permanent to an absurdity. I have uh, set forth the distinction between state and station in order that you may know what is signified by these terms wherever they occur in the phraseology of the Sufis or in the present work. In conclusion, you must know that satisfaction is the end of maqamat uh, and the beginning of ahwal. So this is the genius of Ali Hajwari. He's saying that, you know, they say that rida, being pleased with Allah Ta'ala's decree. Is it a hal? Is it a maqam? And the mashaykh differ with each other. What the shaykh is saying is that what? When you get to the maqam of rida, right? Remember what he mentioned yesterday that the shrine is greater than the gate. A person has zuhud, they're doing without the dunya because they're seeking something. Whereas the person who has rida has already arrived there. They don't want anything else anymore. The shrine is better than the gate. What he's saying is that this rida, this attribute that the, the salik has inside of him, that he's pleased with Allah Ta'ala and his decree, this is the dividing line between maqamat and ahwal. That you've gotten to the maximum sign that a person who's pleased with the Lord's decree to arrive there, they've gotten to the maximum extent of their mujahada. And now afterward, what they experience, there's still suluk afterward, but these are all ahwal. They're, they're wahbi, they're gift, gifted by Allah Ta'ala for a person uh, 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 taking up residence in that, in that place. It is a place uh, of which one side rests on acquisition and effort and the other side uh, on love and rapture. There is no station above it. There's no maqam above it. It is at this point that mortifications, mujahadat, cease. Hence, its beginning is in the class of things acquired by effort, and its end is in the class of things that are divinely bestowed, wahbi. And therefore, it may be called either a station or a state. This is the doctrine of muhasibi as regards to the theory of Sufism. In practice, however, he made no difference except for that he used to warn his pupils against expressions and acts uh, uh, which, uh, though sound in principle, might be thought of as evil. And so this is, remember the like, don't try this at home uh, type of stuff I mentioned, he'll mention it at the end of the chapter. So uh, Muhasibi was very careful because a person who's truly pleased with the divine decree may start acting weird. 
Like really, it's weird. It's not normal for a person like, oh, look, I got like shot. Alhamdulillah. You know, it's not normal. It's not like part of the normal human, human, human experience. Nabi Sallallahu didn't used to do stuff like that. Some of the companions would say stuff like that at times, but you see from the, from, the, from the top of the pyramid, you know, the Khulafa Rashidun, they used to actually, these types of feelings, there's indication they used to come over them, but they used to hide them from people. Why? Because otherwise, if that's the part of the ummah that everybody else has to take their example, you're not going to be able to take the example of somebody whose experience is so far removed from that of normal people that, uh, uh, that, that you just can't relate to it. Uh, so he says, he says that in practice, however, he made no difference except for he used to warn his pupils against expressions and acts which, though sound in principle, might be thought of as evil. For example, he had a, a king bird which, he, uh, which used to utter a, a loud note, Shah Murri. He had a pet bird, basically, that used to ha- utter a, a, a loud screech. One day, uh, Abu Hamza of Baghdad, who was Harith's pupil, uh, uh, an ecstatic man, uh, came to see him. The bird piped and Abu Hamza also shrieked back. So what is this? It's just like the sign of like he was like a, 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 a like majzub. He was like, uh, what is majzub? Majzub is like different than majnoon. Both of them would be like crazy, if, like a normal, like a kafir saw them. Majnoon is someone who the, the aql is makhlut, like their ability to reason has become like mixed up, jumbled up. The majzub is the person who is so absorbed in uh, uh, thinking about Allah Ta'ala that he no longer functions on worldly logic. He's thinking, he's thinking about things in a different way. And so what happened was in that time, there was a set of majzub Sufis in Baghdad that had uh, the doctrine of hulul, that they used to say, ah, I see Allah in everything and everything, monism, which is like kufr. It's completely wrong. Um, and so some of the uh, some of the people who uh, uh, made so much zikr that they didn't uh, and weren't able to control uh, the experiences that came over themselves, they would utter things that uh, looked like kufr to the others, and God knows if they were or not. But uh, at any rate, the the judges didn't take kindly to it. So if you start saying, "Oh, I'm the hawk, I'm the hawk," like you know, someone might say, "Well." Uh, Someone might say, well, this person has made so much zikr that they don't see their own nafs anymore, you know, and so that's all that's going on. He's not actually thinking that he's saying he's God, but it sounds like he's saying that he's God, so the judge is still going to hang you for it. The judge will still hang you for it, and he should. Allah Ta'ala will sort it out later on if there's another explanation. But it's very unfortunate, and the Mashaikh didn't take kindly to this. So he mentions about Muhasibi that this guy shrieked back at the bird when the bird shrieked at him, which was something that made him look like he's one of those guys. Uh, and so, uh, 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 and so uh, Harith rose up, uh, seized his knife, and said, "You're a kafir." Uh, 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 and and uh, 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 would have killed him if the disciples did not separate them. So the Murids had to save. Save, uh, save Abu, poor Abu, Abu Hamza Baghdad from the Sheikh. Uh, he then said to Abu Hamza, become a Muslim, O miscreant. Uh, the Murids uh, exclaimed, O Sheikh, we all know him to be one of the elect saints of the people of Tawheed. Why does the Sheikh regard him with suspicion? Harith replied, I do not suspect him. His opinions are excellent, and I know that he is a profound person of Tawheed. But why should he do something that resembles the action of those people who 
believe in uh, in monism, the hululiyun. Why why should he do something that that resembles them, and thus has the appearance of being derived from their doctrine? If the senseless bird pipes after its fashion uh, capriciously, why should he behave as though the note were the voice of God? God is indivisible, and the eternal does not become incarnate or united with phenomena or mingled with them. Again, it's all aqidah. This is why we don't say Allah has a body in time and space and things like that. Allah Ta'ala doesn't have hulul within time and space within the hadith world. Uh, so Harith al-Muhasibi, you know, he was ups- upset and offended. This is something my ustad that I read kalam with, he mentioned this uh, Fakhruddin Razi, who's a, like level seven black belt of, Ash- of the Ash'ari school. Once he came to the, he came to the um, pulpit and uh, someone left a nasty note for him and says you're like this and your mother is like this and your wife is like this is a complete like just completely like went off on him and in the worst way possible and so uh he read the note in front of everybody uh in the masjid and then at the end of it he said alhamdulillah thumma alhamdulillah at least out of all the things he said about me at least he wasn't able to say that you ever said that god has a body and sits in a chair So at any rate, so he says, he says, if the senseless bird, bird pipes after its fashion capriciously, why should he behave as if it's noteworthy the voice of God? God is indivisible and eternal and does not become incarnate or united with phenomena or commingled with them. When Abu Hamza perceived the Sheikh's insight, he said, O Sheikh, although uh, I am right in theory, uh, nevertheless, since my action resembled the actions of heretics, I repent and withdraw. Uh, may God keep my conduct. This is the Sheikh uh, Ali Hajwari saying, May God keep my conduct above suspicion. Uh, but this is impossible when associates with worldly formalists whose enmity is aroused by anybody who does not submit to their hypocrisy and sin. Uh, if you're a salik on the path, inshallah, you're going to have a lot of haters. And some of them actually pray five times a day and have good tajweed as well. So Allah Ta'ala protect us all.